it is okay to question God in the chaos of life because God is a God who answers us. We might not like the answer. We might not like his timing or in the way that he answers, which is what we're going to see today. So let's get right into it, church. We're going to look at um, Habakkuk chapter 1. It's verses 5 to 11. In just a couple of minutes, it'll be up on the screen. You can turn to it in your Bible. But it is all about how we can be so nearsighted, just seeing what's, what's right in front of our face, and not being able to have that faith and trust in God that He knows the future. See, I just recently had an eye exam, and I know many of you wear glasses or contacts, and I had my, my uh, you're supposed to have a yearly checkup. This was like my three-year checkup, right? And, um, and so I now am at that point uh, that I need progressives. Maybe some of you have those. And, um, and so I need to go get these progressives because I've always been, since junior high, I've been extremely nearsighted. If you don't wear glasses, it means that I can see up close. So I am nearsighted, but I cannot see distance. When I take off my glasses, I see that there's kind of a big blob of humanity, but I can't see faces, you know? Boy, you all look so good. No, I'm just joking. So, but if I put my glasses down and I don't remember where I put them, I unfortunately I have to call my wife, can you please find my glasses? And I just got to sit still. I can't see. And some of you relate to that. And so the doctor said, I need progressives now because yes, you know, as you get older and you age, your, your eyes continue to go, right? And so I am nearsighted. And so my, that means my vision is greatly impaired. So I can see it if it's right in front of my face, but a few feet away, I can't. But aren't we kind of like that spiritually too with our God that We just kind of live life relying upon what we can see right in front of our face. But God says, I have so much more for you if you would just see through my eyes. Because there are times in our life where our faith is strengthened and and we can see through his eyes and we have a great hope and a pioneering faith to continue to forge forward and to go through those trials and, and, and difficulties, but sometimes we go through it and then we forget. You know, there's a great story about 400 years ago, there was a group of travelers, pioneering travelers, that came over from England to found this country. We call them pilgrims and one of the first groups that came and so it was about 400 years ago they came and William Bradford was one that was on the Mayflower he was the first governor of that area and they came all the way across the sea to the coast of America and they went through many hardships and trials we know the story there was so much that they had to endure before they even got on the boat just to get to that point let alone Cross the treacherous seas. So they got to the new land, and the first year they established a town site, and they were just so amazed at what God had done and getting them to this point because they stepped out in faith that this is what they should do, and God brought them through their trials. So the first year they established a town. The next year they elected a town government, and the third year the town government planned to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Remember, there was nobody else around because they still had this pioneering spirit. We have reached the land. God is good. Let us move westward. So they decided, let's plan. The government said, let's plan to build a road. We don't know where it's going to end. 
we're going to build a road five miles into the wilderness. And so in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government. Why? Because they thought it was a waste of money and public funds to build a road five miles west into the wilderness. Who needs to go there? We don't even know where it's going to lead. Here is a people that had such a vision to see 3,000 miles across an ocean and overcome great hardships to get there, but in just four short years, they weren't even able to see five miles outside of town. They had lost their pioneering vision. With a clear vision of what can become in Christ, no ocean of difficulty is too great. But without that faith, we rarely move beyond our current boundaries. Let us look at our passage today. And this is Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. If you remember, we started last week, and we see that the prophet Habakkuk, he had a problem with God. Remember that? We call this series Questioning God in the Chaos. It's okay to question God. And so Habakkuk is a prophet who did just that. He questioned God. See, he's unique from the other prophets because he doesn't just bring the, the proclamation of judgment. He's actually questioning God about what he's doing. God, is this really what you're up to? Remember, he looks all around and he sees injustice and immorality and greed and such depravity among his own people, the people of Judah, okay, the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation. And he sees all of it even amongst his own people, and he questions God, God, what are you doing? I am a righteous man here, and I want you to send your judgment because I see all this around me, but you seem indifferent, God. You seem like an absentee father. Yes, I know you're there, but you're not doing anything about all this that I can see. And so now we see God's answer. This is the first Multiple answers to his questions. And so here's what the Lord says in his answer to Habakkuk's question. Because he had said to him, God, how long do I have to wait? Why can you not see what's going on and do something about it? So here is what God says in verse 5. He says to Habakkuk, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves, Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. They gather captives like the sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and then they take it. Then they sweep like by like wind, and they go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. What an interesting section of Scripture. Because this is how God chooses to answer. He says, my, my servant Habakkuk, he says, you question me, 
Okay, here's my answer. I'm doing something now that even if I revealed it to you, you still wouldn't believe it. And then for the rest of that section, verses 6 to 11, what does he do? He doesn't elaborate on that point. He describes in detail how bad the people are, the Babylonians, that he is going to use to judge the righteous people of Judah. And so this is going to lead, as we see, to another question. Because then Habakkuk is going to say, wait, this is your answer? This is what you're going to do? That you're going to use this depraved people, the Babylonian Empire, to come and take us captive? And you're going to allow that, God? How could that be your plan? What is so great about it is that our focus is just going to be on that first verse. But let's not lose sight of what he does. See, God unwraps and unpacks this whole description of how bad the Babylonians are to reveal to Habakkuk and his people the severity of their sin, the depth of their depravity, but also the great need and dependence they have on him. And so look at verse 5 again, if you would, with me. This is how God chooses to begin his answer. He says, look among the nations and see. So look at your own people and look outside. See what's going on. Use your eyes, Habakkuk. Look at what's going on. Wonder and be astounded. See, because you remember Habakkuk, he's saying, I see what's going on right here in front of me, quite nearsighted. But God, you must not be doing anything. And God says, I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I love that answer. Can we think about that for a moment? What God is saying to him, he's saying to us this morning, church, for all of us who just wish that God would reveal his plan to us, God, just show me what's going to happen next, and then I'll have faith in you. Do you ever kind of think like that? And God says to him and to us this morning, he says, even if I revealed all the details of my plan, you still wouldn't believe it. Think about that. Even God is saying, even if he told us, What was next? Where that next job was coming from? How he was going to heal your illness? Where the relationship is coming from? How he's going to restore something broken in your life? He said, even if I told you exactly how it was going to happen, you still wouldn't believe me. Is that amazing? Why? Because it all takes faith and trust. And because his ways are not our ways. And you know, Tina quoted that verse from Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. But then look at this also in Isaiah 55. Different sections of that passage. Look at what it says through that prophet. It says, Come all you who are thirsty... Come to the waters, and you have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? God says, listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest fare. And then later on in that chapter, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither 
are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. You see what he's reminding us? He's saying, I am God and you're not. (laughs) Right? He is God and we are not God. And so he's telling Habakkuk, he says, all right, I'm going to describe to you how bad these people are. But guess what? Here's my plan. And you wouldn't even believe it if I told you. But he says, here's my plan. I'm going to use the Babylonians. Now, the Chaldeans were part of the Babylonian Empire, so they're used interchangeably here. So he says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. That's how I'm going to answer your prayer. Habakkuk, you want justice on your depraved people, the people of Judah? You want justice, Habakkuk? Okay. I am already doing this. See, what's really cool is that in that original Hebrew language, when he says, I, when he says you, uh, I am doing a work in your days, when he says, for I am doing a work, he's saying like what that means in the language is there's this idea of it's already happening. See, God has already put the plans into motion, but Habakkuk can't see it because he's so nearsighted. He's just seeing what's going on right immediately around him, but he can't see Why? So God says, look at the nations around you and see. See, there's that idea of sight. And be astounded in wonder. I'm already putting these plans into place. Just trust me. But you wouldn't even believe it. Here's how I'm going to bring justice to the people for their unrighteousness and their disobedience. I'm going to use the Chaldeans. And then you're going to see next week his answer to that. The Chaldeans... But what he does is he fulfills what God said. God said, even if I told you, you won't believe it. And if you read ahead, you'll see he doesn't believe it. So God says, this is how I'm going to answer your question to me. But isn't God so like that? That we have prayers and we are to pray. We don't know how he's going to answer those prayers. We are told to pray in his will. We pray. God, this is our desire that you would heal me, that you would bring about that restoration in my life, provide that thing that I believe that I need, but God, it's your will that I want to be done. Did not our Lord Jesus pray that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Father, just take this cup from me. I don't want this suffering that this cup of judgment means that is before me, but not my will, your will be done. Is that how you pray? And then is that how you're willing to live each and every day? Are we willing to put our faith and trust in him because he is God and we are not? See, we might not like his timing or even how he's going to answer the prayer. He says to Habakkuk, this is how I'm going to answer your prayer. And I'm going to use this depraved nation to do it. And Habakkuk later says, you're going to judge this righteous people like the people of Israel, your own people in Judah And you're going to use this pagan, depraved, immoral, greedy, you know, barbarous nation? And God says, yep. And then he describes what they're like. In detail, he describes how fearsome they are. But we can even learn from that. You know why? Because God says in here, he says, even at the end, he says, their own might is their God. See, these were very prideful people. They were people of such conceit. And such pride in their own strength. See, their God 
was their own strength. And you know what, church? I think if we're real with ourselves and with God, we sometimes do that too. That we put our own abilities, our own strengths, our own talents that God himself gave us and we put them before God. God, I got this. We can do this. God, I can do this. But see, God is reminding the people that he makes the plans. He sets the standards. He decides what's fair. It's okay to question God in the chaos. God, this is not fair. But what would God's response be to remind us? Who decides what's fair? See, we decide what's fair based upon what we can only see in our near, spiritual nearsightedness. See, but God is beyond space and time. We think in a linear way, God is above and around and beyond that. So that's why God can even say, I'm already putting the plans in practice, in fact, and say, it's already done. Because he is beyond time. See, Babylon's conceit, their pride, their arrogance, they made them very feared and a formidable foe. And that was going to be their own doing. And that happens to us too when we allow our pride to prevail. When we allow our pride. See, it all goes back to the Garden of Eden. Remember that story with Adam and Eve? What was it that set that whole thing into motion, what we call the fall? It was pride because they wanted control. When they were tempted by the enemy, by Satan, the serpent, when Eve and then Adam were tempted to say, wait, God didn't really mean that, and maybe God's holding out on us, and no, we're not going to die if we eat of this, this tree. And you know, no, it's okay. I think I can take matters into my own hands. See, that was just the, the seed that was planted that blossomed quickly into pride. See, but that's not a beautiful flower. That's a weed that we need to not let take root in our own hearts. We not need to, to let that pride take root. And that pride looks like it, it, it manifests itself in different ways for each of us. But it all comes down to that we, we, we do want control and we act like that many times. We might not recognize it, but we do that. We want to be in control. And so we pray to God as we should, but are we willing to let him answer in his timing and in his way? And so I think what God is saying to, to Habakkuk is he says, you're about to enter a time of great trial and great distress and great suffering, because I'm raising up these depraved people, and they're going to come, and they're going to be my agent of justice, see? So he is preparing Habakkuk. He's like, you think it's bad what you see around you. Wait until this happens. And he's saying, if you just have faith, and if you allow yourself to see through my eyes, then you'll be able to trust me. And know that I have your best interest in mind, even though you're going to see these raiding hordes of Babylonians coming, and they're coming to, to take you into exile and judge your disobedience, it's for your good. Did you ever have something going on in your life, some kind of suffering, whether it's physical, uh, relational, emotional, whatever it is, and uh, mental, maybe it's mental illness, whatever it is, and you bring it before God, and it seems like he's silent, that absentee father, like, God, where's the answer? I see you answering people's prayers around me, but where's my answer, God? What does God say to you? He says exactly what he says to the prophet Habakkuk. He says, I already have plans in motion. Don't worry, I got plans. Now, it might not be what you like. And even if I revealed it to you, like this is how I'm going to heal your, your, your situation, you won't even believe it. So don't even worry about the details. 
because you still wouldn't believe me. That's the, the depth of our sinful nature. Do you see that, church? That God could tell us his good and perfect will and his exact plan for how he's going to answer us. And we would say, really? You can do better than that? And that's exactly what happens with Habakkuk. You know, verse 5, God says he's doing something. He's going to do something. But it shows us he's already doing something. You know, um, there's this book called Through the Eyes of a Lion. It's written by a pastor and author. His name is Levi Lusko. And, and it's called Through the Eyes of a Lion. And he writes about trials in his life. And he talks about how he has these five kids and one of them died uh, on Christmas Eve, I believe, from an asthma attack. And he, he writes this book sort of unpacking his grief and talking about how it is that, that God could, that this could be God's will. Everything in his life was going so well, success in his ministry and in all that was going on. And then God rips his heart out from, from the loss, the sudden loss of this beautiful young child and and so he calls it through the eyes of a line, and he talks all about having faith in being able to recognize that there are things going on that we just can't see because we're too nearsighted. I want to read this short section. Listen to how he describes this. He, he encourages his readers to go outside at night and, and look at the stars. And he says, if it's during the day, Go ahead and look anyway. And then he picks up and he says, what did you see? Were there any stars out there? It's daytime, you say? Okay, sorry about that. But that works just as well because you know that even in the day you were still looking at stars, right? Did you think about that? No matter what time of day or night it is, there are always stars in the sky. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they aren't there. No matter whether you're in Manhattan looking at hundreds of stars or in Montana seeing thousands, there are always more, millions and millions and millions more. See, the human eye sees more than you realize, much more than you can actually process. For instance, when you look up at the stars, you are technically looking at all of them. You just can't perceive all that you're seeing. He says, I can prove it to you. A telescope or other lens just magnifies and brings into focus what you are already looking at. What is there all along? Even in the daytime, the stars are right in front of you, hidden in plain sight. The reason you can't make out what you're seeing is because of the distance and interference. And so it is spiritually. You must not rely on the naked eye. What you think you see is not all that is there. There are unseen things, spiritual things, eternal things. You must learn to see life through the eyes of a lion. And doing so to utilize is to utilize the telescope of faith, which will not allow you to perceive the invisible, but it will give you the strength to do the impossible. So why does he call the book through the eyes of a lion? Because he capitalizes the word lion. Who in Scripture is called the Lion of Judah? Not Jesus himself. He is the Lion. So the idea is that we are to see through his eyes. He goes on to describe how a lion, the animal, he, the lion, see, God gave lions a special ability to see so much better at night than us and most other animals. 
because he designed their eyes differently than us. See, lions don't see as much color as we do. But their eyes are designed with this special layer of whatever it is that allows the light to be filtered through multiple times. So whatever little light there is, even from the moon or stars at night, it allows the lions to see much better than their prey. doesn't mean they can see in the dark, but it means what little light there is, they are sensitive to it. And it's a great reminder for us, church, that we have the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ himself, who is called the light of the world. See, he brought light into the darkness. He brought life from death. So we are to strive through our faith and our surrender of trust to see through his eyes and his perspective. It's all about that perspective. See, we are to see life and life's trials and tribulations through the eyes of a lion, not just the physical lion recognizing that they can see better at night in the darkness. But why? Because they can filter the little bit of light that's there. And we know that we can see through the eyes of the lion, capital L, because we have his word, do we not? He gives us his word. And so he says, here's my promises, and here's what I can do for you. So for church, to wrap it up, our word for today is found in this passage in Habakkuk. And he says, even if I laid it out for you, even if I brought floodlights to the darkness, because you can't see anything, you still wouldn't believe it. I could lay it all out for you, you still would question me and not even believe what I'm about to do. So it's a matter of trust and faith. But we know that Jesus and he alone is the light. See, trust is hard. Why? Because it means we're not in control. If we're in control, then we don't need to trust. We don't need to be vulnerable or rely on somebody else. See, that's not our, that's not part of our sinful DNA and our nature to be vulnerable and rely on someone else. But even when we think we're in control, it's a false sense of control because we're not. Think about it. What could possibly be better for us than to have our very creator, the one who designed us, gave us our unique heart and mind, for him to be in complete control? The fact that God even details how bad the Babylonians are shows how much trust he wants. They're the worst of the worst. See, he was saying, Habakkuk and the people of Judah, you have no chance whatsoever. So all you can do is rely on me. But that's like us too. There's no peace, there's no joy, there's no hope apart from him. See, Judah is about to suffer. God says he has a plan even through their suffering. He will use their suffering for their good. He will use our suffering for our good. If by faith we trust Him and open our eyes to His truth and let Him lead, lead into the future because we are nearsighted. Church, let's not lose sight of the bigger picture. He has brought you this far. Whatever you have been through, God has brought you this far to this place in your life, to this moment. And God has done it. You might not have known it, but God has allowed it and God has done it. Whatever it is you might be going through, or maybe you are in a time right now, a season of faith, where your faith is strong and you are trusting. We praise God for that. Share your testimony. 
so other people can be encouraged, especially those that are struggling. But don't lose sight of that bigger picture. Let us see what God is doing. Let us see through the eyes of the lion. He's brought you this far. Let's step out into the wilderness of faith. Just like the pilgrims, see, they came 3,000 miles. They came all that way on faith and trust. And they had a vision that God would provide, and He did. And then they got there. And you know what? They got complacent. Oh, we have reached our goal. God provided. And then some people said, let's keep going because God is so good. Let's build a road into the wilderness. And most other people said, that's ridiculous. Why would we go there? We don't even know what's going to happen. How little faith they have. But church, God's encouraging us today through his word. Through his word, and God says to his prophet, he says, I'm doing something. I've already got plans in motion. You think that I'm absent and that I'm indifferent to what's going on in your life? He says, don't think that. I love you. I I created you. You're my beautiful creation, and and I have these great plans for you. They're, They're not plans to harm you. It's not plans for evil, but for good. He says through Jeremiah, plans for a hope and a future. See, that's his promise to his people Israel. It's a promise for us today as well. That he knows what's good for us. So if we have to go through a season of suffering, we trust in Jesus Christ. That somehow it is good for us. He might use the worst of the worst, whatever that looks like. But God says, even more so, rely on me. It might get more difficult before I bring that relief. So just lean closer into me. Press closer into the hope that I offer to you. And yes, we can climb up onto the lap of our Heavenly Father. But we do it all in faith. What does it say in Hebrews 11.1? A famous passage, right? The hall of faith and all of the great people that the writer of Hebrews recounts from the Scriptures about how they had such great faith. He starts off by saying, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Do you have assurance of the things that you cannot see? We're all spiritually nearsighted. But that's where faith comes in. See, that's what faith is. It's confidence and assurance. It's confidence in the hope, the things that we hope for. We're not sure, but we hope in Him. And it's an assurance that we can have and even the things that we do not see. Let us see our life, the people in the world around us, through the eyes of a lion. Even a little bit of light can help us to see in that darkness because Jesus Christ is that light in our